New Black Nation, your political digest with a Black conservative twist. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of New Black Nation podcast. I'm Brandon Wang. And I'm Gregory Victoria. And today we are going to be talking about a very fun subject, as you may have already guessed, considering the time uh, that we're in. Um, Fourth of July, you know, Fourth of July, you know, was always just kind of a unifying holiday that's just been equally shared amongst all American people, um, all American people who care about their country, love their country. You know, despite a lot of our shortcomings, um, we were still able to come together um, on the collective goal that, you know, we are Americans and we may have our problems, um, but most especially today, we're all going to come together and celebrate a country um, that has done a lot for us. You know, even if we'd like it to do more um, for us, it has certainly done a lot in comparison to a lot of people in the world. Um, and unfortunately, very much like Thanksgiving, which was also another very kind of secular holiday um, that can bring several people together, um, you know, regardless of religious beliefs, etc., um, it has also turned into this like very big political scheme um, that has really denigrated the whole meaning and purpose of it in the first place. Um, so I definitely want to make sure that we talk about this and, and start talking about maybe some of the um, important Black um, Americans in history that have really helped out um, with this country because we have a tendency to hear a lot about, um, you know, a, a lot of the things that white Americans have done, we clearly know that there's a ton of baggage there, um, but sometimes it it, it it overshadows all of the great things that Black Americans have done and all of the love and great patriotism Black Americans have had for this country, despite, again, it, the country's obvious shortcomings. Um, so I'm just going to start right out with that um, particular question for you, Greg. Um, how do you personally feel about July 4th for Independence Day, the birth of our nation? Well, honestly, it's not something that, um, you know, I really celebrate. There's a lot of holidays I don't celebrate, but they have nothing to do with the country. It just have to do more with the history behind certain holidays. Um, you know, every country have um, their days of um, independence. And I believe every country should celebrate and every country should acknowledge, um, you know, their um, pain and suffering by celebrating their um, um, independent day. But, you know, for us as black people, um, you know, it, it, it has been shortcoming. Um, and, I, and I think we still have a long way to go, uh, you know, for us to really understand and celebrate 4th of July because there's a lot of pain right now. Um, and regardless of the problems that we're going through, um, we should still be able to celebrate it because we will celebrate it before this incident. Right. And and so specifically, though, too, about as it relates to July 4th itself, I know you think that the independence itself is there. But now um, I would say, uh, what do you 
uh, about, um, you know, the, I guess, status quo of common media or liberal media is basically saying, um, well, you know, there's no July 4th, you know, screw July 4th. Um, it's not a holiday for me. I'm not an American. I'm, I'm, um, it's systemic racism against me. And, you know, there's a system that's unequal for blacks. And so therefore I'm not going to, uh, celebrate the birth of a racist country in, in, in their words, really not mine, but, um, of statements and comments. Well, you know, these people, to me, they're a bunch of cartoon characters. Um, they're a bunch of hypocrites, backstabbing snakes. It's not for me to take seriously of anything that they say because let, let the truth be told. Why now? Why, why didn't they say that 10, 15, 20 years ago? Why now? What changed? You know, what changed? You know, one death? You know, that should have been, if that was really their position, they should have run on that, you know, for, for, for the past 10, 20 years. This is all political. You wouldn't really believe these people in the backyard didn't celebrate 4th of July. If anybody think that these people were sitting in their home not celebrating 4th uh, uh, of July, they must be high on crack. They celebrated just like everybody else. And TV, they're saying one thing, but behind closed doors, they're doing something different. And we all know this by now. So me personally, I don't think these cartoon characters seriously because that's all they are is a bunch of cartoon characters. You know, uh, um, if they wanted to do something a long time ago, if they really wanted to stand in a position a long time ago, they would have done it. After November, everything will be done and nobody will hear a word about this thing anymore. Yeah, and then I guess it depends on also who wins, right? Yeah. So if Joe Biden wins, then, you know, that's the end of that, right? And then, you know, I guess conservatives would go into the um, the offensive, I guess. But the good thing is, is that the conservative offensive is, as, as we can clearly see, is nowhere near as <laughs> offensive as the liberal side of of the train tracks here, because I mean, when we saw Obama come into office, I mean, we didn't see absolute Armageddon on the streets. You know, we didn't see people ripping through everything and looting and, you know, cutting up people or throwing, you know, handheld bombs and things like that at, you know, different protest rallies and all these other things, you know, but we have seen that now as a offensive measure from the liberal left. So I find that extremely interesting and um while i always understand and agree that everyone has the right to um express their opinion in a way that makes sense for them at that same time i also understand that you know violence or you know really strong um appearance or in in a way that's kind of like very uh damaging or effective to people is never really a great solution. Um, we should definitely be all very offensive with our words and not, you know, with our actions. Um, and I feel like that kind of brings me into a pivot of um, talking about some of the Black Americans in history that have really kind of been a great example of that. Um, 
we see so many different people who really kind of fought out and, you know, we're proud to be Americans and proud to um, fight alongside um, of their white brothers and sisters, despite the fact that they may not have from the beginning gotten full freedom um, themselves. Um, one big highlight I'd love to put out um, put out there is um, some the first black regiments, right? So, you know, I'm just going to read a little a piece here from um, Ducksters.com, which is a Civil War history and African-American history uh, website. Um, but it says here that the first black regiments played an important role. Many white people believed that the former slaves would not be brave enough to fight in a battle. The first black regiments proved them wrong. They fought with courage and bravery in the face of gunfire and death. Two of the first African-American regiments fought under Gen General Nathaniel Banks at the Battle of Port Hudson. General Banks would later praise them on their valor and character. And then it took a lot of courage for any soldier to fight in the Civil War. But it was even more dangerous for Black soldiers. If Black soldiers were captured by the Confederates while fighting for the Union, they were executed or sold back into slavery. The Confederates also executed any captured white officers of Black regiments. One of the most famous Black regiments was the 54th Massachusetts Infantry Regiment. Their story was told in the award-winning 1989 movie, Glory. Their most famous battle was when they led the Union charge on Fort Wagner. They lost around 40% of their troops, including their commander, Colonel Robert Shaw. However, their bravery was an inspiration to all Union troops, especially other Black regiments. So one thing I really would like to kind of showcase there, and then I'll pivot, uh, pivot it over to you to kind of give some commentary and, and let me know about your thoughts. But when I'm looking at something like this, and, and you can't see it right now because you're not looking at my computer screen, but on the on here, aside with this message, they have a, a picture depicting um, the black, one of those black regiments, and that was during their battle on Fort Wagner. And these are all black soldiers fighting with the U.S. flag, the U.S. flag in their hands. Again, I will say that one more time. The U.S. flag in their hands, fighting into battle to claim what they fought for in, in the country that they, they, that they believed in. Those people knew that America was not great. Hell, it was much worse for them back then than it was for us today in 2020. They were fighting against slavery at that time. They were fighting against actual systemic oppression and actual systemic racism everywhere in all roots of the country. But yet these black soldiers were still willing to carry the, the United States flag and they were still willing to, you know, fight for battle and be proud of their nation and be proud to, you know, to be a part of this American experiment and fight for justice and liberty. Well, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, um, Dr. King, you know, these soldiers had a vision. They had, uh, this was their home. They didn't know any other home. So this was their home. So they had to defend their home. 
And, you know, they knew they had problems among each other. They knew there was stuff that needed to be sorted out. But, you know, they, uh, they did not, um, you know, remove themselves from the bigger picture. You know, the bigger picture was to fight for their right. And, they, you know, they did that and they stood up for that. And it has been a, a battle ever since. So, you know, and Dr. King, you know, Malcolm X, those are perfect experience. These people was doing the same thing. You know, Dr. King was, you know, uh, um, going against all of them, but he was still willing to sit at the table with all of them. He was still willing to have conversation with everyone. His door was always open. He wasn't knocking or calling anybody name or disrespecting anyone, um, you know, that then agree with him. So, you know, it's just, you know, sad right now, the way we're going about things is, you know, it is more of a depression. You see, um, I, I, I don't really see the point to it. If we're going to have a discussion, you know, to discuss, you know, what needs to do going to happen, let's have a discussion. But all those fingerprint and name calling, it's pointless. It's not going to solve our problems. So, right. so, you know, these soldiers right now, they probably rolling in their grave right now. Well, I mean, yeah, just think about it. These people or these soldiers, you know, our black American patriots were literally fighting for the soul and heart of our, of our nation. They carried our flag proudly. Um, as many of our military soldiers and civil servants do today, um, who are black and otherwise, you know, they were, you know, they continue to be America and American and fight for America, even when America as a government was not kind to them. And it just amazes me how you have people burning you know, our, our nation's flag in, in the middle of protest or ripping it up or using it for whatever they want to use it for, um, you know, knowing that fact and, and, and given that fact that we have people shedding blood, all Americans, regardless of color, shedding blood so that they can have a better America. Well, you know, just because you don't, uh, you know, agree with the current government or a current system does not mean that you can use that as an excuse to hate the country. This is where you live. This is where you grew up. This is where you may die. You know, this is where you will raise a family. All of these things and these aspects are here. Your first moments, your treasured moments, your sad moments, your happy moments, everything happens in a country, you know, and this is where you are from. And, for for people to just degrade and and completely bash their own home is it, just absolutely horrific to me. Let me ask you a question: Do you really believe Nancy Pelosi um, and the rest of them didn't celebrate Fourth um, of July? <laughs> yeah, I bet they were virtual virtual signaling, but they may have been for uh, celebrating while they're at home. Exactly, just not in the media. Uh, in the public, they virtue signal and say, yeah, you know, who cares about the fourth? But then, you know, at home, they'll probably, you know, do their barbecues and be absolutely proud to be American or, <laughs> or whatever the situation is. Listen, these people are nothing but snakes, okay? 
Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it, uh, it amazed me, you know, uh, this uh, front that they're pulling up um, because to me, I could always laugh at their face because my soul is not in their hand. They don't own me. Um, the only person I bow down to is God and God alone. After that, everybody else, I'll go head to head with you. They are a bunch of, I don't even want to use the word, but listen, they are weaponing our community. They are weaponing those that do not understand their history. And if you don't understand your history, you don't know your history, of course you're going to burn down the flag and the country that feeds you. Of course you're going to burn down people's store because you don't understand how what it means to run a business. Of course you're going to attack a police officer because you want to go out there and do whatever you want to do without the law around. Of course you want to do all these things because why? You never quite understand your history. So if you don't know your history, you don't know where you're from. And if you don't know where you're from, there's no way you could know where you're going because you're just a blind man walking around hoping to find somewhere to stay. And that's what they're doing. They're thinking that the Democratic Party is going to be their home where they could lay their head down. But it's been time after time proven wrong again. The Democratic Party is, uh, um, you know, uh, the Democratic Party is using the black community. They have been using it for a long time. It's a plantation for black people. It's a plantation for white people. It's a plantation for every kind of people because as diverse as they are, what had changed? Has they been better? Name me one thing they have done to better our community. One thing. Or, or please don't tell me uh, um, uh, Obamacare. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely not, because there, there really isn't one, one major thing uh, that I've seen that they've done um, for people, you know, and 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 it's just, it's just crazy. Like their their party. I mean, really, when you really look back at their record, you have to really look at what policies were put in place. You know, what policy was put in place by a Democrat that actually helped the black community. And this is a question that I always ask people like, and, and, and what I always tell people is I always say, you know, you cannot give me, you know, something that they've said to make you feel better, or you can't tell me about some random executive order that they did, you know, that you think helps your situation. I need you to give me actual policy, actual like legislation that the Democrats have done to truly help you. And then, you know, well, and, and well, here's a stipulation, welfare doesn't count because as far as I'm concerned, that was one of the worst things that they could have done for the black community because they basically incentivize black mothers to be single and not get married. And that completely broke down the structure of the black family and in and, and essence, our community as a whole. But now let's play back, you know, I know you know, maybe we're talking about, you know, cer certain times ago, right, in terms of actual legislation that gets passed. But, you know, let's not forget who freed the slaves. 
you know, <laughs> let's not forget, you know, let, I mean, but this, but this is like realistic. These are all realistic things. Let's not forget who ran the whole war against, you know, who put people aside, you know, let's not forget who were the abolitionists to begin with, you know, to say that we're ready to do this. And, and, and despite the odds in, in the federal government at the time, still made a vibrant North that was so much better to black people than the South was and democratically, again, democratically tr uh, controlled environment. Are we seeing a trend here? Every time we see a democratic stronghold, there's always some kind of suffering of black people. And back then it was, you know, slavery. Then there was Jim Crow. And today we have Chicago and all of these other areas, Detroit and all of these other really hot button areas that are riddled with gun violence or drugs and things like that. All of these have a history of being Democrat strongholds. And I think that's really something that you really have to consider and you really have to ask yourself at the ending of the day. Like, and also to go branch a little further on that, a, think about slavery itself and the amount of slave owners themselves, right? It's, everyone likes to think that America was just this complete society drenched out with slavery, when in fact only 9% of Americans actually own slaves. And keep in mind that in that 9%, there is a small percentage of that who were black and who were freed slaves that owns slaves themselves. You know, back in slavery, it was an expensive trade. It, it wasn't cheap to go and get that. And I think people have in their minds this this mentality that it was just so easy. You know, they were just handing out slaves like nobody else's business to do work. No, it was extremely expensive and in many ways was very unprofitable sometimes for people because it was so expensive to go go through the entire slave trade. But it, when you're looking at this situation, you know, you see so many different people here and, and everybody gets chastised as Americans as a whole saying that, you know, every white person was this racist, crazy, um, you know, misogynist, patriarchal killer. But in actuality, um, there were a ton of white people who actually wanted black people to be free and wanted Americans, all Americans to be free because that was their founding tenant. Of course. That's what the whole um, civil war was all about. It was a lot of white people, black people that wanted, you know, this thing to end. Um, and and it, it's just funny because if you look at um, um, Harvard, you look at um, um, uh, uh, Columbia, you look at um, Princeton, all these colleges, you look at um, um, uh, McGee, uh, the scientists, all these people at that time, um, 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 the Bronx Zoo, you know, where they caged the young black, um, black men. You know who was running those things? They were all Democrat. Go look it up, people. All these people were Democrat. So, you know, I cannot say, oh, white people are racism. No. Are there going to be white people that racist? Yes, but there's also black racism too. Slave was being sold by black people just like the white people were selling it. But people don't want to talk about that part of, um, of the story. Here, here's, what, here's what I tell people. You know, just because one white person 
do me wrong, I'm not going to go against the whole white nation. I'm not going to, you know, hold everyone in my heart for something this person um, did to me. No, I'm going to deal with that person and leave it with that person. I'm not going to bring it to a whole race because of something one person did to me. It's ridiculous. So, you know, um, right. And in this case, if you have a scenario where you have a 81, um, excuse me, 89 um, percent of the people were not slave owners and, and perhaps not supportive of, of the institution itself that was slavery. How do you blame the entire 100 percent for something that 9 percent? of the population took care of. And mind you, those were the gentry, the rich, wealthy people of that time. They were the ones who can afford to have the slaves. You know, so again, we have a common theme that I'd like to bring back and forth here, you know, which I'm always fighting for, that it's it's classism, not racism. And, you know, there was a certain class at that uh, back then, which was their top 1%, I guess you can call them at, at that time. And it still exists today. The oppression that we receive from the top 1% of people or extremely wealthy people who are greedy, and it's not all wealthy people because there are some wealthy people doing the right thing. Um, but there are a lot of greedy, wealthy people. And those are the ones that historically has always manipulated society and has always oppressed society as a whole and that doesn't it doesn't matter if you know you're black or you're white or you're asian it matters if you're rich or you're a have or have not yeah yeah that's exactly what it is and uh, people don't understand that the rich is the one that's putting the um um our laws forward the people that we have a Congress, unfortunately, I would love to believe they'll write the, the laws, but they don't. It was handed to them and for them to vote it on by the rich and stuff. Money ruled the world. Our politicians, like I said it once and I said it again, they're a bunch of prostitutes. They're giving lap dance for money because they all being owned. They own them. They can't do nothing without the big bank permission. They can't do nothing without the 1% permission. They can't breathe hard without them telling them to breathe hard. So these problems that we have is always going to be there because somebody is um, um, making a, a margin of it. Someone's making money off it. So it's going to continue to be here because they also use it to manipulate election. So... Yeah, um, I, I had a, a friend that told me, oh, um, why are you supporting Donald Trump? What did he do for you? I said, I, I said Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, whoever, I don't depend on them. I said, but if I'm going to judge someone, I have to judge them based on their record. I cannot judge them just because you don't like them or just because you have something against them. That's between you and him. I find it you know, um, funny that because you don't like the man, you expect me to hate him for what? And I told him, here's what he did, the crime bill. The 1994 crime bill that Bill Clinton um, passed, mass incarceration. Donald Trump, the racist person that you call him, he reformed it. So, you know, why did they pass that crime bill? Why, why was that crime bill uh, um, passed in the first place? 
And then the reason why I said the Democratic Party is a plantation, um, you know, um, 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 magnet, because you also had black people that was also in the White House. You have black people that was also in Congress in the um, House. They all voted for it because why? They had to please their masters. They didn't want their masters to be mad, so therefore they vote for it. Right. And and I would also argue just just to give some a small pushback and say, you know, we do talk a lot about Democrats because we we virulently virulently grew up with Democrats in, you know, the back of our heads, you know, or in our left ears, you know. So growing up, that's all you hear. So we have so much to say about this particular side. But what I will say is that Republican, Democrat alike, you know, libertarian, whatever you want to call it, as far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, all of them are there in their own ways, plantations. All of them, you know, generate sheep who generally tend to, to, to just listen to anything, you know, and they just go along with anything and they go along with groupthink. You know, a lot of times we talk about the left kind of having groupthink. And I think, you know, this is one thing I'll push back on um, with a lot of conservative commentators that I see. And, you know, they, you know, they blame the left all the time because they keep saying that the left, oh, is all groupthink. But when we think about the conversations that a lot of us have on with our conservative friends on our conservative side, not all of our friends, because some of them are more independent than that. Um, but you'll see the same talking points pushed out amongst all of them. So you can see, like, I think I always say the best judge of character to see if someone is independent is to see what their talking points are when they're arguing or debating about a particular issue. And if you can see that they have exactly the same talking points um, that someone else has used, right? Then you can kind of imagine that, you know, they have more or less thinking about that sheep mentality. Um, and, and it's never a good situation. You know, I feel a good mix would be, you know, a, a, well, a good solid independent person has a varied mix of multiple ideologies. You know, and it's not just persistent on one particular principle like you, you know, no one can say that everything that the Democrats, have, you know, are suggesting are bad. There are some good things that they suggest, just like there are good things that, you know, Republicans su suggest, but neither of them have it perfect. And I think it's up to us as truly independent thinkers to formulate our own opinion and formulate our own policy based on what works and not what, you know, we're hearing respectively in our own echo chambers. You know why I'm disappointed with the Democratic Party? You know, my whole family is Democrat. They all voted Democrat, you know? Hmm. I voted Democrat. But the only party that has been manipulating us is not the Republicans, so I can't really speak about them. It's the Democratic Party that's manipulating our community. So I have to talk about them because why? You know, they have no respect for us as human beings. So, you know, you could say whatever you want to say about the Republicans, you know, this and that, but the Republicans, they, they, they don't have the power to manipulate the black people. They don't. 
you know, they don't have the media in their packet. You understand the Democratic Party have the media in their packet. So instead of using it to elevate us, you know, to put us in a good position, they're using it to manipulate us so we could vote November or whenever the votes come, you know, so they could be elected. And then every time we elect them, they forgot if we, you know, if we um, even exist. And it keeps happening over and over and over. You know I'm not a Republican. You know I'm not a Democrat. You know where I stand and stuff. Everybody that speaks to me know where I stand. Um, I, you know, I want the black people in this country to wake up. I want the black people in this country to get up and smell the coffee. We are being used. You know, I don't care if it's the Republican, the Democrat, the Independent. Everybody have to wake up and take a look at themselves and take a look at their circle and their position to see if they're really, really comfortable where they are. You understand? Or can, can, can yeah. you do more okay. for yourself? Can you do more for your family? Uh, you know, instead of just sitting around waiting for someone to do for you or collecting if you give them the chance and opportunity for, for them to do for themselves, I guarantee you 90% of them will get up and do for themselves. Yeah, 100%. And if people actually, you know, took the time to learn the skill sets that they, um, that they really could use, you know, to make them move forward, like all of, you know, great intellectual black thinkers of the times have suggested, you know, I think they would be a much better off, you know, many, many civil rights leaders and black empowerment leaders, um, past and present have, have all come out and said, you know, the important part or the important thing to have is a good skill set. You know, the important good thing is to have something that you do very well and something that you master. Because if you master it and you provide, and more more importantly, provide value to your community, then you're a dime a dozen. And people will continue to flock to you, you know, regardless of, you know, what your skin color is or your orientation. If you do something extremely well and people find value in that service, then people will come to you and you will be successful. My boss used to tell me, and, you know, um, he he he's the one that taught me a lot of the things that I know, uh, and you know he fought for this country too. He came from the army, um, very um, respectful person, and he told me, "Listen," and I was 18 at the time. He said, "Listen, if you're gonna be a shoe shine man, be the best shoe shine man they have ever seen. Whatever you're gonna do, be the best at it." Don't waste time. Do not, like, you know, this guy used to talk to me like I was one of his kids just to put me on the right path to make sure that the, there were days that, because, you know, um, when I was a senior, you know, I used to go to, um, to work, you know, um, after school. And there were days that I did not come because I wanted to hang out with my friend. This guy would take the train and call me to come get me to come to work, saying that, yo, your friend is not going to do nothing for you. This is responsibility. This is going to get you somewhere in life. So we need people like this. We need people to put pressure on our children. We need people to, you know, say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. 
You know, we cannot allow everything to happen and let our kids behave and act however way they want to behave and act and expect society going to accept it from them. No, you may expect it uh, um, from them because you're their parents, but somebody across the street ain't going to take it from them. So we need to educate our children. We need to show them right from wrong. We need to tell them when they're wrong and we need to tell them when they're uh, um, right. We need to reward them when they do the right thing. So, you know, I feel like we're not doing none of that. I feel like, you know, every, uh, you know, every year we're just going down and down and down and there's more depressed people in the street, you know, now than ever. Like, you know, people are just confused, they're lost. Um, so, but I do have a question for you. Um, is very um, controversial, though. <laughs> uh, um, but what did you think about then removing the um, con um, the Confederate flag? The Confederate flag. Um, that's a deep subject um how i feel that's a really good question um for me um here's the way that here here's the way that i look at it um if if we took for example okay um if we if we fought a if we fought an honest battle with each other and we lost then i feel that that imagery kind of needs to go where it needs to go like you know you shouldn't be flying um a flag if the institution itself doesn't exist right so I get that there are people who are very historic about it and they care about, you know, different things, but I would just say as respect, um, to the country that actually prevailed, um, in this case, the United States of America, that is the flag we should be flying. Like there's the Confederacy doesn't exist anymore. You know, the Confederacy lost the battle. And or they lost a the war, really, not even the battle. They they war they lost a the war. And because they lost a the war and the Union was able to take over, Union being the United States of America, that is the only flag we should be flying. So I don't take it as a, a race situation here. I just take it as the reality of the situation. The Confederacy does not exist anymore. And the United States of America does, and that's what we fly. I um, I agree with your explanation because I, I you know I've been having you know this um, discussion with uh, different people, and you know they asked me the question, and I told them you know um, to me, regardless if he was up and down, uh, it doesn't mean anything to me personally. But it is part of a history. Um, and that flag will remind me, you know, it's, it's just like the Holocaust. 
right? The reason that the Jews keep talking about they want to make sure people don't forget it is because they don't want this to ever repeat itself. So I look at it in that view. I say, listen, you know, me personally, um, I don't see it as a racist thing neither. I just feel like even though they were wrong, the other side, they did lose their family members. They did believe they were fighting for something that was good for them. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't try to diss them, um, you know, because, you know, they want to rack their flag and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, you know, go ahead, because they did lose the love, um, love, loved ones. They, they fought for something that they thought was real. But as black people, I would tell them, listen, you need to remember that history and work towards that so history does not repeat itself. Oftentimes, we get too comfortable in our position. We forgot where we're from, and we forget our history, and we find ourselves back in the same problem. Yeah, no, I I, I like your um, your thinking on that as well. Um, bringing it back, and and also to give some context onto what you said there, because you know that's a very true statement as well. There are people who you know just because they agree with the confederacy you know and the confederate states of america um when it was you know the confederate states of america um they actually had national pride for what was their country you know and essentially they lost their country and they lost their territory um and a lot of them fought because of that you know a lot of the people who fought against the union soldiers didn't fight against the union soldiers because they wanted to preserve slavery yes there that was the overall guise of the confederacy and what sparked the civil war but there were also people in the confederate states of america that were just fighting because they saw union soldiers trying to take over yeah. their land or trying to fight them and they were trying property, to protect their yeah. property so and we can't disband that you know because you know it, and that's why i say it doesn't always have to be a racial undertone you know um for people who you know, having a fixation with the Confederate flag. You know, it could be that there is just something that's a part of their cultural heritage and something that they did have as what they considered their own land or separate land, sovereign land from the United States um, of America. And they hold dearly to that particular and, principle. And, and one, one last thing I will add, right? Because remember too, back then, um, there were a, a lot of young kids that were fighting that war. 18-year-old, 16-year-old young men, they were, they were fighting that war. Um, they were um, being misled, you know. Trying as young as yeah. 12. You had 12 year fighting old fighting. In, exactly. So they didn't really know what they were fighting for and stuff like that. So that, that's the only reason that I'm not knocking them because they were kids that were fighting this war. They were dying. And I guarantee you, half, to the, half of them didn't even know the cause of that war. So, and, and, and for parents to lose their kids to a war, regardless, you know, um, if we win or not, you know, if the flag bring you a peace of mind, go ahead. You know, I'm not, I can't take that from you because, listen, you lost your families, you know, to that war. That, there's a reason why, you know, war is important you know we cannot just go and fight war just for the hell of fighting war there's consequences to it 
Yeah, no, 100%. I agree with you there. And and one thing that I would also say too, just, you know, kicking back um, to the July 4th situation um, is when people say, or when Americans say, you know, and I'll start by actually reading this comment. It was actually something I saw on, um, uh, in my opinion, fake news media, aka CNN. Um, so there was a comment here, and we all know about Fred, uh, Frederick Douglass. You know, he was a very valiant fighter um, and, and staunch abolitionist and truly believed in um, freeing, freeing the slaves. You know, he was a slave himself. He, you know, went to the North. He was able to be successful um, and become a scholar in the North. Um, and he was a big, per a big person that helped get African-Americans into the fight for um, abolishing slavery and the Civil War. Um, but so he had, um, you know, every year around July 4th, you know, we kind of talk about his, his famous 4th of July speech. Um, and he had some commentary for, for some of his family members or the bloodline for his family members. Um, and they uh, basically, um, it, it basically was said this, and this was said by uh, Douglas Washington Morris II. Um, uh, on CNN here, it says, while the 4th of July probably does not feel the same to me as it does to others, I wouldn't say that it has no meaning because it is the time when America as a country became free from another country. Oh, said Alexa, actually, I'll correct the, uh, the record for that. Uh, says Alexa Ann Watson, who was a, um, a descendant of Frederick, uh, Frederick Douglass. But I would say it's not the time in which I gained my freedom. Um, so Isidore, also Isidore Dharma Douglas Skinner, closes out the video on an optimistic note, though, saying, I think in many ways we are still slaves to the notion that it will never get better. But I think that there is hope. And I think that it's important that we celebrate black joy and black life. And we remember that change is possible. Change is probable and that there is hope. And this is just such an important quote here because while, you know, I may not, um, while I may not always agree um, with the first part of this statement, you know, said by Alexa Ann Watson, saying that, you know, she wasn't, I didn't gain my freedom. America may have gained its freedom, but I haven't gained my freedom. I, 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 absolutely false. We're in 2020, you know, Black Americans can do the same things that white Americans can do. We do not have color white uh, water fountains or and blacks are not in slavery, in slavery and uh, slavery was abolished, you know, and we are a free people and we are counted as full American citizens um, under the law. And um, so I would definitely push back on that particular statement, especially because, in, and, and I will preface it with saying this, you know, Yes, at the time of our independence from uh, Great Britain, Africans were not free. You know, African slaves were not free. But in 2020, 
because of all of the fighting and all of the valiant efforts of all of these great Black American patriots, we can say that we are fully free, both in country and in body. We're not in chains anymore. You know, there may be things that still need to get better. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that need to improve. It, give me one country where things don't need to improve. But we are much better off today because of the valiant fighting of our ancestors, all of our ancestors, both black and white. Here's what I would say, right? Um, it cannot be that racist if we had our first black president, can it? Yeah, so, I agree with that you statement. Know, um, people, you know, um, and I guarantee you these people that's making those statements, they have been in position to make a difference for a very long time and they have not done so. Um, yes, there, there is problem. You know, there will always be problem. But my question has been, and my question will always be, and Donald Trump said it during his campaign, for the past 30 years, what have they done to change the situation? You know, he, he may not have used it, you know, you know just you know, to um, win his election, that's fine. But nevertheless, doesn't mean that it was not true. It is a true statement. For the past 20, 30 years, you know, we've been, on, you know, under uh, uh, um, Democratic um, president, what have they have done? So, like you say, and you already made all the examples, you know, we're not in chain. Um, <clears throat> You know, nobody is forcing us to do nothing. Just like they have, um, you know, um, poor black people, they have poor white people. Uh, as a matter of fact, when Barack um, stopped, um, President Barack, I don't want to disrespect anyone. When President Barack, um, you know, um, stopped the coal, um, you know, in certain areas, these people was affected. They were, they were hit hard. Some of them lost their home. Some of them became homeless. And these were you know, a, a mostly a white area. So, you know, um, what do they have to say in this whole situation? Have anybody heard from them? Or are we just ignoring that they even exist? If we're going to have a discussion, if, they, if CNN or any other network want to have a discussion about these things, they need to have a discussion when they bring people that they don't always agree with. That's what you call a discussion. But people that is in the same platform with you. It's not a discussion. It's just you know you guys you know having a talk. That's all it is. Um, Fergus Douglas, right. you know um, when when he made his speech, uh, well thought of. Um, he did say okay, you know there were things that you know um, he wished the forefather had thought about. They didn't think about it, but he did say the intention was right. So, you know, things get, um, get out of control. Things get out of hand. Okay, fine. Let's find a way to fix it. Let's find a solution to it. You know, let's find uh, a, a common ground. You know, let's come together, sit at the table to fix some of our problems. The problem I'm having right now is when Republican is in office, the Democrat goes crazy. 
when Democrat is in office, Republican goes crazy. Nobody wants to come to the table to sit and discuss anything because everybody wants their party to be successful, which is why this country needs a third and a fourth party because this two-party system is garbage. It needs to go. It doesn't work no more. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the perfect per position for me would be to have no parties at all and to just have everybody run as independents. So there's no specific uh, banks that they have to uh, hold themselves to. But at the very least, to have a third and fourth party um, to kind of chop things up a, a bit more um, without the same corporate lobbyist things, you know, would definitely be beneficial. And I, when I say these other two parties that exist, perhaps having a, another party that's on the left that are actually real Americans fighting for Americans and a real party that are conservative that are fighting but for listen. real everyday Americans, you know, so that way there's no special corporate interest and people are just thinking about, you know, what matters to American people see, and not lobbyists. Well, um, um, I kind of agree with you because I was really hoping Bernie Sanders would have gone independent after what happened to him and he did all these moves, he got burned again. I really thought he would have been like, you know what? You people are unbelievable. I'm going to go solo. And I guarantee you, if Donald Trump had lost that election, I guarantee you he would have gone independent. He would have went um, independent. There would have been a, a third party movement right now. Well, and I very much think that there will be, you know, a third party movement going after this, you know, this election cycle, regardless of, of what happens, because I just think people are just ready for a change. You know, people are ready and thirsty to see real change. You know, that change that Barack Obama told all of us that would happen that never came. You know, people really do want change. You know, people want you know, you know, want something positive to come out of their lives. They want to hear that, in, in, you know, that their government cares about them and their representatives care about them and that their country overall is working towards a better goal. Um, but on that particular note, we've come up to our hour on the podcast. Um, but that was a wonderful discussion. And I truly enjoyed that 4th of July segment that we have or 4th of July weekend uh, segment that we put in here. Um, it was really important to, you know, to talk about that. And I thank all of you for listening, as always. Um, and you can, of course, find us normally on um, by searching our names on social media. So Gregory Victorin and Brandon Wang. Um, and you can also reach out to us via email at uh, gvictorin at mbnusa.com or bwang at mbnusa.com. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye now.